Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. We're going to open two places today, Mark chapter 10 and Luke 14. Mark 10 and Luke 14. <clears throat> Valerie, will you throw me some water, please, baby? reading from the New Living Translation today, Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. As Jesus was starting on his way to Jerusalem, starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal or testify falsely or cheat anyone. And you should honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Now I want you to pay attention to what, what this next phrase says. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, Jesus said. Go sell all your possessions and give the money to, to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away, for he had many possessions. Now Luke chapter 14. Luke 14. Starting in verse 25, a large crowd was following Jesus, and he turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison your mother and father, your wife and children, your brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you don't carry your own cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. But don't begin, look at this, don't begin, begin what? Begin following me, Jesus said, until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before you run out of money and everyone would laugh at you. They'd say, there's that person that started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers that were marching against him. If he can't, he'll send a delegation to discuss terms of peace when the enemy is still far away. Here's the conclusion that Jesus draws. So, you can't be my disciple without giving up everything you own. Lord, we just pray that you help us to hear and understand your word. But Lord, most importantly, help us to recognize it's not an academic exercise. This is what we have to put into practice in our lives. Lord, so give us the the understanding, but also give us the courage to put it into practice every day as we draw closer and closer to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. 
So for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about rejection. And it's an interesting subject for a couple of reasons. One, we can all relate because every one of us has faced rejection at some point in our lives. And two, much to people's surprise, Jesus, his life here on earth was actually full of rejection. We think of the high points, the big moments when everybody loved him. But the reality is, even according to Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected. So people rejected Jesus for a lot of different reasons. And so today we're going to wrap up what's been a three-part series called Rejecting Jesus. We're, We're looking at why people rejected Jesus so that we can make sure that the roots of that rejection are not living in us anywhere because we certainly don't want to reject him. But we also are looking for the causes of rejection so that we can uh, get some guidance from the life of Jesus about how to handle the rejection that we face. So today's message is called Sticker Shock. Sticker Shock. Here's the premise. People rejected Jesus because when they counted the cost of following him, as he told them to do, it was just too high. The cost was too high. The price on the sticker was more than they imagined it to be, and so they walked away rejecting Jesus. Today, I want us to look at three categories of our lives, three price stickers, if you will, that may tempt us to want to reject Jesus ourselves. We we don't like to talk about these kind of price stickers at church. These are uncomfortable, but it's straight out of the Word of God, so we have to talk about it. So we're going to do that today. Here's the first one, the personal portfolio sticker. He said, count the cost. We look at this sticker, the personal portfolio sticker. What does it tell us? It tells us that when you belong to Jesus, your stuff is his stuff. (laughs) When you belong to Jesus, your stuff's his stuff. One of the costs of following Jesus is giving your money and worldly possessions. Now, this was a difficult lesson for the person we just read about. Normally, we call him the rich young ruler. It's difficult to tell what kind of attitude he might have had as he came to Jesus. He may have been coming hoping to have Jesus, you know, sort of stoke the fires of his ego and tell him how wonderful and moral he's been in his life. Or he may have come with humility and and honestly seeking the truth from Jesus about eternal life. But either way, when he asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life, what we would call being saved or being born again... Jesus reminded him of the, of the commandments. And he said, yeah, I got that. I've been doing that since I was a little kid. And then Jesus looked at him, and the Bible says that he had true, genuine love for him. And out of his love, he spoke the truth. And he said, you're still lacking one thing. You need to go sell everything you got, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And the Bible says that the man left brokenhearted, that he left upset that his face fell. He turned around. He walked away. He rejected Jesus. Why? Because the price was too high. It was sticker shock. In another place, Jesus would ask the question, and it's not rhetorical. It's a real question. He said, what would you give in exchange for your soul? In other words, what's your soul worth? And for this guy, the rich young ruler, his soul was worth something less than whatever his net worth was. You see, money's a difficult topic to talk about in church, especially because um, there's been such gross financial abuse and mismanagement and misconduct and outright manipulation in the church and in church leaders. 
And so what happens is people go, That's a, that, that is radioactive. I'm not talking about money because so many people have, have mistreated the topic. The problem is when you have this knee-jerk reaction and you go all the way to the other side, there's a ditch on the other side of that road too. And the problem with that is that the Bible has much to say about the topic of, of biblical finances and money. And if we just avoid the topic like the plague, then we'll never know what it was Jesus was trying to teach us. And so we have to know what he's saying. And, and so in this context, it's just the first point. So y'all calm down. Uh, it's not the whole message. But in the first point today, we need to recognize this and we need to talk about it because people really do reject Jesus because they know it will hit them where it hurts them the most. And that's in their pocketbook, in their wallet. If you announce that you're going to preach about biblical finances, some people are not going to show up because they don't want to hear it. And it's been interesting to me in the eight years that now I'm not my ninth year of pastoring this church. Uh, it's been interesting to me uh, that sometimes it's the wealthy people. Sometimes it's people that pours a church mouse that don't want to hear it. It's really not a function of your net worth. It's really a function of your heart. There are people who ain't got two, two, two nickels to rub together, but they ain't going to give you one, right? And there are people whose net worth is beyond what you can imagine, and they would give you everything they owned. It's not a function. Generosity is not a function of money. You can't measure generosity in dollar amounts, right? So, so please hear me this morning. Jesus was telling this rich young ruler, there's no version of discipleship that doesn't involve your personal finances, you can't separate your dollars from your discipleship. Why? Because discipleship is about becoming like Jesus, right? Isn't that a, a kind of a good working definition of discipleship, learning to become like Jesus? Well, God's a giver. So if you're going to be like Jesus, then you have to learn to be givers too. You're like, John, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. I don't remember it costing people anything to follow Jesus. I don't remember it costing people anything to be involved in the ministry of Christ. Well, the last night of his life on the earth, he was getting ready to have the last supper. And what did Jesus tell Peter and John? He said, go, in the, go to Jerusalem. Right as you come in the gate, you're going to see a donkey. Take that donkey. And if anybody asks you about it, just tell the owner, the Lord needs it and bring it back to me. There's no indication that they paid him for it. No indication there was any rental fee that this man used that donkey. He didn't just take the donkey to Jerusalem with him for company. He took him there because he would rent him out. He would use him to make a living. And Jesus just went, he went and snatched, he snatched the man's way of making a living. He cost the man money. Jesus uh, also had, was ministering in the home of someone who hosted him there. The place was full. And four guys came, ripped the roof off this man's place. Y'all remember that? Let this man down so Jesus could heal him. There's no record that they took up a special offering. There's no record that they filed an insurance claim. The ministry of Jesus cost that man personally. The, the Good Samaritan, everybody wants to talk about the Good Samaritan. Remember, he didn't just get him up out of the road. He put him on his own animal. He took him to the next town, rented the man a hotel room, paid the owner so that he would go and take care of him and nurse him back to health and told the man, if you, get, if you incur any costs above what I've already given you, I'll come back and pay you the difference. 
And when you think back to the very beginning of this Rejecting Jesus series, we talked about the demoniac of Gadara and and what happened. Jesus cast the devils out of this man and the devils went into 2,000 pigs that were nearby. And what did they do to Jesus? They asked him to leave. And I know I said that they were comfortable with, they were more comfortable with crazy than they were with the cost of freedom. And that's certainly true. But if you want to talk about crazy, imagine, imagine valuing pigs above the person that Jesus had just rescued. They, Jesus helped this man and it cost them whatever 2,000 pigs cost in that day. And, and they looked at Jesus and said, you got to get out of here. Why? They were afraid, the Bible says, but part of their fear was, I'm afraid this dude's going to cost us more money. you got to get out of here. People rejected Jesus because of sticker shock. The cost of following him was too high. Now, what about us today? Do we bristle when we start talking about money in church? Does it make us mad? Does it make us nervous? Here's the reality. Again, we can't separate our dollars from our discipleship. Just leave that up for a few minutes. Uh, We can't separate our dollars from our discipleship. Why? Because if you claim Jesus is your king, but you don't let him speak into your personal portfolio, then there's a disconnect there. So much of life, like is there anything that doesn't cost money? Is there anything that's not, that money's not involved in it in some way? So if we leave Jesus out of the money conversation, then he's out of most of our lives, right? So take it from me. This has been a topic that I have struggled with. For, for years, I struggled with it. Valerie's already smirking at me. You stop that down there, woman. She, this has been a struggle, a stronghold for me because I was raised poor and it made me stingy. I wanted to hold on to everything I had. And, and so it's been a process for me to learn that money is connected to discipleship. And so here are the lessons that I had to learn. If you wait to give until you're convinced you're required to give, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. The, the, the giving in the kingdom of God is not about requirement and expectation. It should be joy. It should be joy. It, it's, he said he loves a, God said he loves a cheerful giver, not a begrudging one. He has no interest in prying the, the money out of your fingers. If it makes you mad to give, you don't have a financial problem. You have a discipleship problem. It's a heart problem. Okay? So don't see giving so much as an expectation as it is an invitation. An invitation to join something bigger than yourself. An invitation to become more like Jesus. An invitation to store up treasure in heaven. And maybe this will put some perspective around it. Matthew 13 Matthew 13, verse 44, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field in his excitement. I love this. This is not a stupid guy. In his excitement, he hid it again, (laughs) ran, sold everything he owned to purchase that field. Why? Because it was a good investment. Again, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Listen, until we learn to see Jesus as the pearl of great price, until we learn to view the kingdom of God as the hidden treasure, then we'll never have a proper perspective 
on personal finances. And every opportunity to give will just result in in you rejecting Jesus more and more. Don't let sticker shock about your personal portfolio cause you to reject Jesus and what he's trying to do in your life. Let him lead you and guide you and grow you in that area. Not a single person that I know of who is generous for the kingdom of God ever regrets giving. Here's a second price sticker. It's the Invictus sticker. The Invictus sticker. I don't ever get to use Latin, mostly because I don't really speak Latin. But this, this, so I'm excited about this. In the Invictus sticker. When you belong to Jesus, you are not the master of your fate. You are not the captain of your soul. That's the most famous line from, from the, the, the poem Invictus. It's short, it's inspiring, it's motivating, it's just not biblical. One of the costs of following Jesus is not just giving money, it's giving up control. Control. The passage in Luke says that we can't follow Jesus without taking up our cross and giving him everything that we own. That means we give him an all-access pass to every part of our lives. There is no area of our lives that is off-limits to Jesus. Our attitudes and our actions our thought processes, our politics, our entertainment choices, our past, our future, our habits, our pain, our plans. When we ask Jesus to be Savior, he is also Lord and Master. You cannot separate the roles. You aren't the master of your fate. You aren't the captain of your destiny. Jesus is. That means he's in charge of everything. That's giving up control, and that's a high price. So people see that it's going to cost them the control of their lives, and they reject Jesus because it's just too much. And listen, as a, as a reforming control freak, not past tense, I'm still working. God's still working on me, okay? But as a reforming control freak, I get it. I understand the fear. I understand the trepidation involved in saying, I'm just going to completely surrender everything. But that's the call. That's what he asks. It's why the American church doesn't present salvation in that way. We don't talk about salvation in that context. Why? Because it doesn't sell. People prefer the version of salvation where they pray the magic prayer, they sign the card, they shake the hand, they, and then boom, you're in. The problem with that is that that version of salvation bears no resemblance to what the Bible offers us. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus said, count the cost before you decide to follow me. Why would you have to count the cost of the American version of discipleship? There's nothing intimidating about repeating a prayer and getting a get out of hell free card. You don't have to even think about that. Of course I would, because it costs me nothing. Jesus said, count the cost. So we must be missing something. Where are the messages about taking up your cross and following Jesus? Where are the messages about dying daily and being conformed to the image of Christ? Where are the messages about being filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can be in constant fellowship with him, loving him and being loved by him? You see, the reality is salvation is free. Jesus paid it all. 
But discipleship will cost you everything. And you can't get one without the other. And the reality is when people realize that, many of them reject Jesus and walk away because of the sticker shock. They'll, they'll give him their sin. Some people will even give him some of their money, but they will not give him control. My question today is, what about you? What about you? Are you ready to give him control? That's what following Jesus is about. I've never been much of a poker player because my mama wouldn't let me play cards. We would, it was that kind of house, all right? But as I understand it, when you've got a really good hand, what do you do? You go all in, right? I'm all in. Everything I've got is on this right here. Here's the question. Are you ready to go all in with Jesus? Are you convinced that he's the pearl of great price? Are you convinced that he's the hidden treasure in the property that you're about to buy? Are you convinced enough of his lordship? Are you convinced enough of his deity and his sovereignty and his power that you're willing to go all in? Don't reject Jesus in exchange for control of a life that will soon end. Here's the last sticker. It's the galactic sticker. The galactic sticker. John, what in the world? You're using Latin, and now what is, what is galactic sticker? Some, the, the, I'm, I'm excited about this one. Some people are the center of their own galaxy. They're the center of their own galaxy. They don't just want to be in control. They want to be in the center of everyone's attention. See, when you belong to Jesus... You're not in the center of everything. As a matter of fact, while I've already offended you, it, when you belong to Jesus, you're not the center of anything. It's his kingdom come. It's his will be done. Everything is done in the name of Jesus. One of the costs of following Jesus, and maybe the hardest, is to give up self-centeredness. In the Old Testament, we find the account of the healing of a man named Naaman, who was a Syrian uh, military leader. The healing almost didn't happen, as you recall. It almost didn't happen because uh, the prophet through whom God was going to send healing didn't make a big enough deal over Naaman. You remember that? He, he didn't even come out to meet him. Like, dude didn't even get out of the recliner. He was like, they said, hey, Naaman's here, and he wants to talk about healing. And he was like, here, uh, just tell him to do this. He, he literally sent somebody out there with some simple instructions, and, and, and Naaman went ballistic, lost his mind, right? Almost went back home. Why? Because he was used to people making a fuss over him because he's a big stinking deal, right? He didn't come by himself. He brought an entourage, which is French for entourage, right? He, he brought folks, man. He's got people it, it, with him. He was the center of his own galaxy. He initially rejected God because God's prophet didn't make a big deal about him. The God's prophet refused to be called into, drawn into Naaman's self-centered orbit. Fortunately for Naaman, he repented, followed the prophet's instructions, and was healed. 
Listen, you cannot follow Jesus and expect to remain the center of everything. Too many churches have even made following Jesus self-focused somehow. Right? We tell people that getting saved means that they now Jesus is joining your team. We tell people that getting saved is is that now your happiness is, is God's highest goal. That he exists to make your hopes and your dreams and your wishes come true. That, that he's going to bring you your best life right now. The problem with that, and it sounds great and makes you feel good. The problem is, if they ever hear the truth of the gospel preached to them, if they ever actually like read the Bible and they find out, they read stuff about sacrifice and about serving others and about laying your life down, about carrying your cross, they're going to reject that Jesus. Because they signed up for genie in a jar, Jesus. They they have no interest in take up your cross, Jesus. The thrones of their lives are already filled. They're already occupied with ambition and self-indulgence and self-satisfaction. They still want to be around the church, but everything has to be centered around them and what they want. Even people who claim the name of Christ can still be this way. Paul described him in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 19. And you can read the, 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 um, the, the entire passage on your own time. But this is, this is kind of the, the kicker. He said, they're headed for destruction. You mean people who go to church and claim the name of Jesus? They're headed for destruction. Why? Because their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. See, people hear this Americanized version of the gospel and they think Jesus is just one of the many satellites that are going to orbit their carefully crafted lives. They They have no place for the real Jesus, so they reject him. They go find a religion that's more enlightened. They go find a religion that's more focused on self-actualization as the ultimate goal. Reaching their goals, their dreams, their visions, making them a better version of themselves. They're the center of their own galaxy and they will create a God in their own image if they have to. And like the children of Israel who called the golden calf that they created Jehovah. Today's self-focused spiritualists may even still call their new God Jesus. But it's not the Jesus of this Bible. They see that the cost of following the real Jesus is that they have to abdicate the, the place at the center of their galaxy and it's sticker shock. They reject Jesus because it's just too high a price. So what's the cost of following Jesus? He said, count the cost. Giving money, giving of our resources, giving giving up control, giving up self-centeredness. That's the price. That's the price that many people were unwilling to pay in the reason they rejected Jesus. I'm not dying, probably. Now, part of the reason that I I was drawn to this series 
is because of the dual nature of it. It's not just about rejecting Jesus, but it's also about why and how we're rejected as people, how we do, why we do this to each other. You know, people reject each other for pretty much the same reasons that we just talked about. In relationships, we reject each other <clears throat> because we think the cost is too high. And here's why that matters, and I really want you to hear this. When you deal with rejection, it creates in many people this deep-seated need for acceptance at any cost. If you've been pushed away, rejected, rejected, then for some people that makes them want to be accepted no matter what the cost. If you don't recognize the roots and the results of the rejection in your life and let God heal you, then you might find yourself doing things that you thought you'd never do just so someone will accept you. And that's a dangerous place to be. Some people reject us because we require an investment. right? Investing time, energy, patience, love. If they don't see any hope of a return, whatever they hope to get out of it, if, if they don't uh, think we'll ever be worth it, they just push us away. We're just not worth their time and what it might cost them. So what do we do? We thank God that our value is not determined by somebody else's estimate. We, we are who we are and what we are and what we're worth is determined by God himself. And he already put a price tag on that. He already thought, he already said, you're worth Calvary. You're worth my son dying on the cross. You see, a person who regularly rejects other people is usually insecure, immature, or wounded. A mature, healed disciple of Jesus can be generous with their time and efforts. They, they aren't looking for anything in return because we know that who we are, our identity is not tied up in all of that. Listen, stop looking for acceptance from people who are immature, who are wounded, and who are insecure. If they do let you in their lives, they'll just use you to meet their own needs. And when they're done with you, they'll reject you in the, in the end. Find your value and your self-worth in your relationship with Jesus and stop being everybody's victim. Some people will reject us when they find they can't control us. Some people reject us when they can't control us. They, they need people in their lives that they can manipulate. They need people in their lives that they can order around. It, it feeds that ego. When they discover that you're not going to allow yourself to be controlled by their every whim and every want and every mood, they push you away. Sometimes, well, you know what, all the time, we need to do what Bishop T.D. Jake says and take the gift of goodbye. Sometimes people walk out our lives or push us out of their lives and it's the best thing that ever happened to us. You don't have to be their doormat. You don't have to be their servant. Investing yourself in someone who wants to get better is noble, but throwing yourself at the feet of someone who enjoys stepping on people is not noble and it's not necessary. You're a disciple. You're not disposable. You don't have to be a martyr for every sadistic individual you come across. You're too valuable to be a pawn in somebody's rigged chess match. 
being somebody's chew toy has never taught anybody to stop biting. Now we got animals flying at me. Good Lord, you see the size of that fly? Wow. There was an engine on that fly. I heard it was motorized. If it's remote control, I'm finding it. I'm finding all of y'all. Here's the last point. Some, some people reject us when we fall out of their orbit. They reject us when we fall out of their orbit. They are the center of their own galaxy. And as long as we're around, as long as we're circling them to tell them they're great and they're beautiful and they're wonderful and they're awesome and they're right and they're the best, they're just going to pull us in tighter and tighter. Their gravitational pull takes over, pulls us in. But the moment you speak the truth in love to them, the moment you try to hold them accountable, the moment you try to question their motive or bring correction, they reject you and push you away. This is how celebrities get, get so high up that they seem untouchable, and then before you know it, in almost a moment, they come crashing down to disaster. It's how Michael Jackson gets a doctor to administer a fatal dose of anesthesia to help him go to sleep. Why? Because the, the stories have come out. Anybody who told him no got fired. You only stayed in Michael's orbit if you enabled him and coddled him. And, and the, good Lord, there's, there's so many other stars that are like that. And it's not just Michael, and it's not just stars. There's plenty of narcissistic examples in real life, right? In Hollywood and in Harrelson County. You don't normally get to use both of those places in one sentence, but I just did that. People, people who won't allow anyone in their lives who will expose the lie that they tell themselves. Sometimes the best thing that can happen in our lives is to get knocked out of that orbit of somebody who is set on self-destruction. All rejection is painful. It hurts to be pushed away, but it's not all bad. Sometimes it's the grace of God to protect us from what's to come. So Jesus, I, so, so I want you to understand this. Jesus was despised and he was rejected. He understands rejection. If you're dealing with the effects of rejection in your life, um, I, I want you to know that Jesus understands. I want you to know he experienced what you've experienced. He knows the sting. He knows the pain. He knows the heartache. And he wants you to come near to him so that he can hear you and he can help you and he can heal you. But he also wants to reveal the roots of rejection so that we don't ever run the risk of falling for the temptation to reject him like so many other people have. So today, I guess the cost, the, the, the altar call is this. Will, will you count the cost and follow Jesus? Will you count the cost and follow Jesus? What's tempting you to reject Jesus? Nobody, none of us have got it all whooped. None of, none of us has got, is doing everything right. There's, there's areas in all of our lives that, that if we allowed it to grow could come between us and our decision to follow Jesus. So what is, the, what is it that's giving you sticker shock? You're like, yeah, I'm all, I'm all about Jesus, but whoo, man, that price is high. What is that? Is it money? Is it control? Is it self-centeredness? What is it that's tempting you? And, and let, me just, let me tell you, you need to bring it to the altar, whether physically or wherever you are. 
bring it to the altar of God and let him kill that thing. Let him kill the influence of that thing, the control that that thing has over your life. Because you don't want to take the chance on anything coming between you and Jesus. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.